This is Cooper Cassius for iFall TV in association with MTK. Man like! Man like. You meant to say. What? You're not meant to say the name after that. Man like Coogan. Well, you just say man like. Birdie Num Num. Can you give me the history of Birdie Numna? So it's from a Peter Sellers film. Right. And there's a clip on there. Dillian White just randomly mentioned it in an interview of mine a couple of years ago. Now you're wearing a t-shirt with it on. No, no, I'm not wearing it. This is just a t-shirt. No, you are wearing a t-shirt with it on. Well, I said, now you're wearing a t-shirt with it on. No, I'm not. Yeah, you made it sound like I've had it made, and I haven't. It's like. No, I just said, now you're wearing a t-shirt with Birdie Num Num on. What are you wearing, mate? This is a little matching fight cam. Went for the Royal Blue today. What do you think, son? Yeah, Royal Blue, yeah, nice. Does it Check match it. the face on your watch? It does, actually. <laughs> do you know what? You're on it, aren't you? Cheers. Um, we're at Fight Camp. We are. This is we're at Fight Camp, baby. So in about two weeks two is Saturday. Weeks time, this is Nervous. Yeah. Now getting to the stage where we can actually see the weather. I mean, if we had it like this, unbelievable. Um, I'm sure over a four week period, we are going to have a little bit of rain and wind. It's going to be ups and downs. It's going to be drama, but we're pushing the boundaries. We're doing things different. And I, you know, as I've said to you in numerous interviews, I wasn't prepared to come back without making a statement, without pushing the boundaries, without being different, without producing an event that people tune in and go, fuck me, that's unbelievable. And that's what we do. And that's what we will be doing. We've been doing that the last 10 years, trying to push the boundaries, trying to change the game trying to impress and that's what we're going to do here it's going to look spectacular i'm over the moon with the cards obviously since we last spoke now we have taylor Pursoon, which is just fantastic for the final event the co-main event with white pavetkin and i'm just buzzing mate i'm buzzing i think we've got everything perfectly right so far like i said it's going to be loads of aggravation it's going to be loads of ups and downs but that's why we've got a team in place to deal with that and we're all on it everyone's back to work and you know, on the case. Do you know when I go in the street? <laughs> when, I, <laughs> hold on, when I'm Who, do you, when do I'm walking along the street, <laughs> what did you think I meant? Do you know like when I'm on the street, yeah? What? Never? When I'm walking along the street. In the in your village. You live in a village. I don't live in a village. I live in a town. You live in a village. Okay. Uh, people go. Hey, is that fucking Eddie Earl? Is he actually sticking in the back garden then, yeah? Because this is why it's a fucking power move. Everybody is talking about fight camp. When I'm on the streets, Coogan, people are coming up to me saying, Hern, it's going off in your garden, son. How am I going to get in? And I'm, I'm deadly serious. Everybody's coming up to me saying, you really doing it in the garden? That's going to be unbelievable. When's fight camp start? This is how you build a brand, yeah? You create hype, you build a story, you create the narrative, you let people understand the matchups, the fighters, and you do it out here with lasers and fireworks and a view of London and a big HQ in the background. 87, 1987. We've been in this game for 33 years. <laughs> How's it going? You're welcome, no context help. Yes. Um, Edward, let's let's talk about what? <laughs> let's talk about the the addition of Katie Taylor against Delphine Persoon. Yeah. So I put this tweet out and everyone's going, Well the point I was trying to make was Taylor could have avoided her. She didn't have of to course. fight. When you beat someone in a really close fight, some people fought Taylor for one, some people fought Persoon one. A lot of people, and, and what happens is, when a bigger name gets a close decision, everyone also goes the other way. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you robbed her, right, let's have it right. It was a very, very close fight, right? There's nothing really to gain from fighting Delphine Pursoon again, other than the credit and the respect of fight fans. And to be honest with you, that means more to Katie Taylor than anything. I cannot tell you, and I, this is something I've been really thinking about the last 48, 72 hours. Women's boxing, men's boxing is actually in danger by women's boxing. And people will, will listen to that statement and say, 
bollocks. I'm telling you now, if these women fighters continue to be fearless in terms of taking on the biggest challenges, in terms of fighting other champions, unifying immediately, searching for the undisputed, you are going to get parity so much quicker than you ever expected. Because I can't tell you how refreshing it is. You know, when I picked up the phone to Cecilia Brackhouse and said, look, would you fight Jessica McCaskill? Yes. Jessica, would you go up to welterweight and fight for the undisputed title? Yes. Done. You know, Katie Taylor, you're supposed to be fighting Amanda Serrano. Seven weeks out. Look, she don't want to know. Would you switch it up to Delphine Pursuit? Yes. Like, this is what makes the sport great. And we... It's just making me fall in love with women's boxing. And at times you sit there and you can hear it. You can just, it's like, love is in the air. Love is in the air. You know, and it's like, I'm Chantel Cameron. You know, we announced the signing off today. You've got Shannon Courtney against uh, Rachel Ball. You've got Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas. These are great matchups and they're high level matchups and they're entertaining. And they're fighters that don't give a fuck. They want to go in there, they want. The, I asked a question to Cecilia Brackhouse the other night, said, you know, and she said, Eddie, we've been waiting for hundreds of years for opportunities like this. So we're not going to turn them down, you know? And honestly, like you've seen the rise of women's fighting in UFC telling you now and I know we still have a long way to go to parity but if things keep going the way they do don't don't start being surprised by women regularly headlining fight nights women in big pay-per-view fights because it's extremely entertaining and you're seeing it time and time again you announced the signing as you just said there of Chantel Cameron mm. um, there was some also there was some quotes sorry uh, saying that her next fight will be for the world Correct. title, which is huge because she's been on the cusp and she's been on Katie Taylor's trail for the last few months. Yeah, and as I well. think you know when when um, Amanda Serrano pulled out of the fight to fight Katie Taylor, there was a few people saying Chantel Cameron, Chantel Cameron, and I think that that is a big fight, Chantel Cameron against Katie Taylor. Right now, the only thing on Katie Taylor's mind, this is even pre-making Pursuit, is Pursuit Serrano Brackhouse. Right, and maybe Cyborg or something outside the box. Do you know what I mean? You know Katie Taylor, she'd fight Chantel Cameron like that. Tough fight, because you know what Chantel Cameron? She's great video for her today that we run on Matchroom. Savage, fucking savage, animal, fearless, dangerous. Right, that's all the things I love in a fighter. She will fight anyone, she's tough, she's got a great chin. She punches hard, she's fearless, she's relentless. And she's gonna win a world title in her next fight. She's mandatory for the WBC 140 pound title. And Jessica McCaskill has agreed, as part of this moving up, that she would vacate the title for Chantel Cameron. And if McCaskill loses, she'll probably come down and unify with Cameron if she wins. Kelly Reese, other fighters, also looking at the other champions in the division. If we don't go down the WBC route, particularly Christine Lenardo, who Katie Taylor boxed for the WBO title in Manchester. She's reclaimed her title at 140 pounds. Great fight for Chantel Cameron. But really excited, really excited. Feels fresh again, you know? Dealing with, with women's boxing. Fresh. A little bit like your fade. Thanks, bro. Shout out Effie <coughs> and Ben Fleet. Edward. Mm -hmm. Did you get a free haircut when you go in? No. Mm -hmm. What, do oh. you get your... Oh, give us a... Oh. oh, give me a fade and I'll give you a shout out. Oh. Oh, Effie. Effie. Effie, if I do two shout outs, will you do me nose hair as well? Oh. You love a freebie. Don't say you don't. I, I love freebies. But I pay for my haircuts. Yeah. They're nice, man. Um, I've seen about 20 names being mentioned for Canelo. Mm. How many of them are your fighters? And I also want to so, ask you about Jason Quigley and his comments towards you as well. Oh, I've heard them. Was someone else having a go at me? 
Yeah, I think I saw an interview, like the quotes from an interview where he referred to you as unprofessional, I think. Really? Yeah. What, Jason Quigley? Mm. So you want to see the actual context of Well, if you're talking about unprofessional, uh, not as unprofessional as the geezer that agreed to fight Jack Cullen and then pulled out of the fight with Jack Cullen. Let me just get this right, because I quite like Jason Quigley. Before I roast him on IFL, let me just get this right. He did put it up with a little laughing face, but... What, what am I supposed to be unprofessional about? Do you want to see it, yeah? Were you doing a lot of training over the course of lockdown? Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been in great shape. You know, I've been uh, slated by a certain promoter that because I didn't take the Jack Cullen fight that I can't keep myself in shape over lockdown. It's a bit unfair to say that, wasn't it? Yeah, what's that? It was a bit unfair to say that about you. Yeah, I thought it was uh, very unprofessional of Eddie, you know, to come out and say that because he's not my promoter, he, uh, he, he's nothing to do with me, you know, and for him to come out and say that, like, my promoters know me, I have never missed weight in my life, I'm always in shape, I've, took, I've taken fights on a week's notice before, you know, for him to come out, I was, I was a little bit um, taken back by that. quite boring, to be honest with you. Uh, basically... It was unprofessional for me to say that he wasn't professional enough to be ready for the Jack Cullen fight. I don't really understand it, but basically, his his promoter. It's quite right. I'm not his promoter. I have absolutely nothing to do with him. He was an opponent who I was given an opportunity to for to fight at fight camp. Uh, we gave him the fight with Jack Cullen. He agreed to the fight. His promoter agreed to the fight. It was all approved and agreed. And then he said he wouldn't be ready in time. So that's it. Uh, so your fighters that are being linked with a fight with Canelo, can you, and how well, have you actually well, offered to, to Golden Boy? Well, I wrote to Golden Boy a couple of weeks ago and said, look, you've got Callum Smith, John Ryder, Demetrius Andre, Demetrius Bivol, Dimitri Bivol, already. So, you know, I gave him the numbers that those guys wanted. And we have, you know, I have had conversations with Eric Gomez yesterday regarding Callum Smith, where we've actually started talking about numbers. Uh, we haven't on any of the other three that I mentioned. Um, again, I mean, look, we're in the hat. And it would be an honour for any of those guys to get the opportunity to fight Canelo. It's a massive opportunity. Look, Canelo's not going to fight Jason Quigley. He ain't going to fight Toriano Johnson. I don't believe he's going to fight Durrell. Canelo, the great thing about Canelo is he's a real champion. And he wants to fight great fighters. You know, I believe who Canelo wants to fight? Callum Smith. You know why? Because he's the WBA super middleweight champion of the world. He's ranked number one in the world at 168 pounds, and he's the Ring Magazine champion. That's the difference between great fighters. He could go and fight Jason quickly if he wanted to. Not in a million years. He wouldn't do that. Never say never. He wouldn't be approved anyway, I don't believe. But, you know. Listen, we hope we get it. Who's the front runner out of your fighters? I think Callum Smith. I mean, look, Callum's, it's all about money, right? We're at, we're in an era right now where everybody's looking for a discount, right? Don't matter whether you're buying a house, you're buying TV rights for a fight, you're paying for a sponsorship package. A haircut. Nah, it depends where you go. Don't mug Effie off. Um, it's, it's the game you're in. So right now, everyone wants a discount. So Callum Smith has said, I will take less money to fight Canelo Alvarez compared to where we were three months ago. What about Ryder? I think Ryder's right in the mix as well. No offers, no conversations. But um, I saw uh, um, Hopkins' comments where he said he's going to fight John Ryder. And I thought, wow, I haven't heard anything yet. Tony Sims phoned me straight up, said, have you heard anything? I said, no. But I know, you know, they know He's ready, and all these guys are in the gym, waiting for the call. Because to be honest, we're totally in the hands of Canelo and Golden Boy in this situation. We are literally waiting for a phone call. And it would be an honor to get that phone call for any of those guys. Um, but I think that, you know, like I said, Canelo Alvarez is an incredible champion. You know, he wants to fight the best. And I think he wants to fight Callum Smith. Now, can we agree the numbers? Maybe. 
But that's a big fight, you know, that's a big fight to come to launch boxing back in America. What do you think about Billy Joe Saunders ruling himself out of the fight? What were your thoughts? What did you say to him about that? Um, nothing really, because it's not so much that he ruled himself out of the fight. They were, they, because of the, the way, the way where, because of where we are right now in the world and financially and no gate, they were never going to pay the number that we previously agreed in March or whenever it was. So, Billy Joe probably got to a point where he was 10 weeks out, 11 weeks out and said, one, I haven't heard anything and I need to know and I'm not going to get the money I want for the fight, so I'm ruling myself out. I don't think it was him saying, you know, you can't, in a sense, when you fight someone like Canelo or you fight AJ or, you know, these kind of names, you can't really, I mean, you, you can rule yourself out, but do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like you're going to cause any major waves by doing this. It wasn't a case of like that to Canelo and Golden Boy. It was just, I'm not going to take the money you're probably going to offer me. And to be honest with you, I need the time to prepare. I'm probably not going to be ready. So I rule myself out. You know, I think people take, I rule myself out as Billy Joe being the rebel and saying, yeah, well, fuck you. I'm not fighting you, Canelo. It's not that case. It's I'm not prepared to take short money. And I don't think I'll be ready because I haven't been given the notice. So therefore, I'm not in the running for that fight. That was all. Will Billy Joe's next fight be a big fight still? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing coming out of this pandemic is the lack of activity for all fighters. Okay, So when you think about when Billy Joe could fight, and I'm talking probably October, November, he's been out of the ring for a year. Now, do you want to go into a fight like Callum Smith or like Canelo or Triple G or Demetrius Andrade being out of the ring for a year? Not ideally, but Callum Smith's been out of the ring for a year. You know? Canelo Alvarez has been out of the ring for a year. Gennady Golovkin's been out of the ring for a year. So it's just a case of really looking at, you know, today we saw big advances on the prospect of live gates returning in the UK that's big for this sport you know now in October we are not going to get 10,000 or probably 5,000 or more in arenas yet it's just not going to happen we were lucky enough to get one of the first test events the World Snooker Championship uh, in Sheffield um, that will ask you to be a test event for boxing I think you know the issue is Coog, I think there's certain sports where in the audience people's behaviour is very different. You know, at darts, at boxing, you're there, you're jumping up and down, sweet Caroline, singing, chanting, shouting, having a few beers, snooker very different. So I think they looked at snooker as a test event and said, yes, yeah, get people in the building. Probably four hundred people in the building. And then we go from there. And fingers crossed, touch wood, you know, the cases continue to fall. The numbers keep moving down, and then as we move to the end of the year, maybe in November, December, we could start seeing full arenas. I think we've got a chance. But everything depends on, you know, when you're doing a fight like Callum Smith against Billy Joe Saunders, you just can't do that without a live gate. You can't do any major, you know, fight Usyk Chisora. And, you know, the one we've been able to get away with for a number of reasons is White against Povetkin. You know, and that's such a big coup for us because I don't see anyone staging a major fight for months and months. Um, so yeah, everything's dependent on that. Billy Joe, Billy Joe's in the same boat as Callum. They want a big fight, you know. They don't want their career to pass them by before those defining moments. Let's just talk about that. Obviously, <coughs> Boris Johnson announcing that there'll be yeah, like that test period of August mm -hmm. and September with a view to crowds being allowed in um, for your shows that you've got penciled in for like October yeah. they could have a crowd like Newcastle could yeah we'll be submitting I mean you're going to have to submit to the government essentially a seating plan or an environment that is socially distanced and safe for them might mean no beers on a concourse you know no concessional stands might mean uh, that we speak to the British Boxing Board of Control and say do we go all American 
and start serving you beers in your seats. How nice would that be? Right? But it's not just a case of, oh yeah, crowds are back, let's fill up the O2. It's not gonna be like that. You know, in October, how many will be, will be allowed? 500? 1,000? Two? 5,000? Maybe 5,000? I mean, I don't see it in October, to be honest with you. But I do know that if things keep moving the way they're moving and we can produce a plan that the government are happy with, we will be allowed people in the building in October if all goes well. And that's good for us because we've got our Cardiff event, we've got our Newcastle event, and now we're starting today looking at plans for the arena and how that's going to work out. What's the deal with Usyk and Chisora? Same thing. You know, we need a crowd, whether that's a crowd at the O2, whether that's an international site thing, which we're looking at as well. But, you know, my plan has always been to, well, in the last six, eight weeks, to reschedule that fight for October. But again, we're reliant upon, you know, I can't do that fight with 2,000 people unless those 2,000 people are paying a lot of money. I know you've made some comments on where AJ Pulev could take place. You've said, like, I swear you said a boat or I something. I just threw that in and then people just love it, don't they? AJ Pulev on boat? I know. Full Have page you? in the Evening Standard, I think. Um, but realistically... I think we'll be in the O2. November? Yeah, November, early December. I'm, I'm hopeful by then. But again, everything... Now we review this as we go. So today, great news. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep pushing the boundaries, making sure everyone's safe, coming up with the right strategy. You know, the, our conversations with the government have been ongoing for months. And finally, we got to a position where we were approved as a test event. And that's, a, that's an honor. And we take that responsibility, responsibility very seriously. Now, let's put the idea in, in, in the minds and move forward with the process of bringing people back to arenas for live boxing. How does that work? Seating plans, households, um, you know, movement around the arena, social distancing, track and trace. It's, it's a nightmare, mate. But we'll bang on the case, what we do. Dillian White, still out in camp in Portugal. He's been there for several months now, which, looking bright, looks a good decision that he stayed mm. out there. Um, <coughs> First of all, actually, Alan Babich, mm -hmm. the savage, uh, Dillian's fighter, uh, I understand there's a chance he may feature on the card. He will feature on the card, yeah. yeah. We've got a couple more fights to add, actually, for the Dillian White card. Um, and we'll be adding those probably early next week. Alan Babich stepping, a few opponents in mind, big step up for him. Um, good fighter. You know, again, another, you know, we talk about women's boxing. There's a fighter that actually is up for just fighting anyone. And Dillian is up for putting him in with anyone. So he'll be on the card as well. Tom Little being mentioned? Yeah, I think I watched Tom Little's interview the other day and I I, I, I agree with what Tom said, you know. Um, I think Tom has sometimes taken big fights for big money because that's what the name of the game is. You know, he's not prospect that was built he hasn't really got a lot to lose but he's now in his in a position in his career where he's you know he's coming off what three losses against three very good heavyweights or more and I think he should maybe go and get some wins you know but it's what everyone's different aren't they? I mean he may be sitting there thinking I'm done with boxing Do you know what I mean so just give me the most money you can and if I get beat I get beat and you know but maybe he's got aspirations to get a couple of wins and try and get a bigger fight or get more money, you know? But I think um, if Tom Little wanted to fight Alan Babbage, that fight's there. But I did listen to his interview, I don't know if it was with you or someone, and he was sort of said, I don't just want to be the guy they sling in with all these beasts and get beat. I think his exact words were, he's tired of getting his head punched in by Olympians. Well, there you go. But Babbage's not an Olympian. He's a nearly Olympian. He's oh, is that right? Like <laughs> nearly Olympian. Yeah. Um, did you get a medal for that? I don't know. No? The nearly Olympics. I'm nearly an interviewer, so... Yeah. When um, Dylan, Dylan White still, obviously, yeah, in camp, um, announced a trainer split recently, so a little bit of change going on there, but, I mean, it won't affect him too much come No, I think 20 this, seconds. you know, sometimes... Uh, and I honestly couldn't tell you the ins and outs of that situation. But sometimes this is a process that's been happening over a period of time. Do you know what I mean? 
maybe not something that you wake up one day and say, right, I'm gonna change trainers. And obviously he's been in camp for a huge amount of time. And it's been difficult. This the whole you know, it's been difficult for everyone. Staying at home, traveling back and forwards, worrying about your family, you know, making sure Dillian's in a position now where Dillian is so intense in his training, he wants a hundred percent from everybody. And and the situation's been different difficult for everyone. Um but I don't think that um you know, the, the change is going to affect Dillian in, in this fight because he's been working hard in camp with people. Um, I wish Mark Tibbs all the best. I think he's a lovely guy. I think he's a very good trainer. And, you know, I hope those guys move on and you know, shake hands and remember that they've had a great run together and, you know, can look back fondly on some great nights. When you look at his situa situation, which is, I suppose, maybe clearer to you, but to everyone else it's not really clear of kind of what happens should he beat Povetkin. What, what do you think should happen with Dillian right after should he beat Povetkin? And what do you think will happen? Well, I think what should happen is the WBC turn around and say congratulations on another thrilling victory. You have now beaten a plethora of top 15 opponents. You have now had, blimey, 10, 11 WBC fights. You have now been mandatory for over a thousand days number one for over a thousand days and mandatory for nearly as many your next fight is against the champion what do i think will happen honestly i think a lot depends on fury wilder you see right now you look at america and you think how on earth can that fight happen in november i mean you know it's so difficult at the moment we're staging an event there august 15th behind closed doors that's not in doubt, but every day is a concern, you know? We haven't heard from Deontay Wilder, he hasn't been vocal about the, the third fight. So I'm actually in a position, as soon as Dillian White beats Alexander Povetkin, we're on it, mate. Right, is this fight happening or not? If not, order this fight. I'll do White, I'll do White Fury. I'll stick the dough up. It's a huge fight, huge fight. This is a huge fight. But, listen, we understand the position. Tyson Fury has to fight Deontay Wilder. Good luck, crack on. It's difficult for everyone. It's difficult for us to stage AJ against Pulev. We'll do it, but will they do Fury against Wilder 3? And will they do it in November, December? Because the cutoff date for White to fight for the, man, for the WBC title is the end of February, and we expect that to be kept to. Now, if they fight in early December, and we, put, we make an agreement to fight in early March or something like that, yes, we will accept that. But the key, what Dillian is doing, is continuously putting the pressure on. And as much as the Povetkin fight carries a huge amount of risk, it also enables him to keep that momentum going, keep that pressure building on the WBC, keep the public and the paying fight fans saying, he must get his shot now, come on. And I believe that statement victory against Alexander Povetkin enables him to do that. So, should he beat Povetkin, you will kind of do what you can at your end yeah, yeah. to well, see. I've been doing what I can no. for years with him, you know. And Dillian knows that as well. And it's been incredibly frustrating. And it is part of the game, unfortunately. Um, but it's also sometimes part of the game when there's other big fights, like we've seen with Fury Wilder, which has basically slowed Dillian down by a year. And more notably, they're ruling over the... Um, hearing and the situation around UCAD, which he should not have been punished one day by the WBC for that, especially when he was found completely innocent on every level. So it's it's incredibly frustrating, and I keep thinking, you know, like Mauricio Suleiman is a re he's a really good guy, like he loves boxing, and I just keep thinking to myself, I know he reads social media, and I know he un he constantly sees the comments from the fans. You have to do what's right. And I believe he will. And after the victory against Alexander Povetkin, God willing, we will put increased pressure on. And, you know, AJ's not going to fight till November, December. He's not going to fight again till June, July next year. So you've got February, March, April. Make the fight. Is your dad not allowed to do a fight camp? Or has that changed? I don't know. I think there's... There's all kind of... Uh, what if he was up there? That's, I think, where he may be. I mean, can you imagine not coming to this show? 
like if you were, I well, mean, considering this is his, exactly. And that's what he said. I said to him, you know, oh, you're 72, mate. You can't come. Fuck off. It's my gaff. <laughs> so I reckon, like, <laughs> if the gaff. board said to him, you can't come, he would probably stay inside. But there's the, the testing rod. I believe it's eight meters from the ring. Everybody has to be tested, and beyond that, they don't. Right. This is another reason why I want to do outdoor space. It's so much more. I mean, hygienic, safe. Um, people feel much more comfortable, and it's um, yeah, he'll be here somewhere. If not, he'll be on a chopper or have a drone up there or something. Drone. <laughs> um, do you know when you talk to Joshua, mm -hmm. like when you're talking about obviously you are talking about the pool fight and keeping. I suppose you're kind of keeping him updated about what the situation is regarding potential dates and venues, etc. But how often do you actually talk about Tyson Fury to him? I mean, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. You know when we announced the yeah. announced the fight, but you know, I, we had to write to them and say just to you know we agree on these terms for two fights in 2021. And I, obviously, yeah, I had to get his blessing on that. Um, he's been resting his leg in his head he's fighting Pulev next and he, I don't think he wants to look beyond that to be honest with you because I think we've made that mistake before you know in the first Reese fight all anyone was talking about was when you're fighting Deontay Wilder and he went over there to try and make a statement and you know things didn't go great for him and I think now he knows that that can happen against Pulev you know if you start taking the eye off the ball in a heavyweight Pulev can fight he's a top 10 fighter and same with same with Tyson. You know, if he's going to fight Deontay Wilder, he needs to switch on, and he will. He's a pro. You know, he'll switch on and he'll, he'll get the job done. But you can't start. I don't. I don't believe Tyson is thinking about AJ or talking about AJ. He wants to fight him, but he knows I've got a dangerous fight. I've got to take care of. So much pressure, isn't there? Like in these two fights coming up. But that, is, but isn't you know that's I know but that's that's the name of the game. It's what we love. And it almost, it makes them so much more dangerous. Do you not think people are talking about AJ Fury like almost Wilder and Pulev don't exist? Yeah, but and all, they're, but they're also talking about it like Fury Wilder don't exist. You know? Um, but both guys could lose those fights. That's the reality. But I'm telling you now, if they get through those fights, you know, you've got Tyson Fury, the bigger risk for him is he may have to fight Dillian White in between. So... You know, I think um, AJ really desperate to fight Tyson Fury. We're well, not even Tyson Fury, just desperate to fight for the undisputed championship. That's what he wants. And but you've got all these situations. You've got Usyk. If he beats Chisora, he's a mandatory challenger. And you know, I just feel that a lot of sometimes these kind of situations that we've been in, you've got to start looking at the sport and the business and saying, like, do we want to be held to ransom by governing bodies? You know to not make fights you know the fighters want to be undisputed the fighters want to be unified champions but it gets to a point where you think do you know what if you're not willing to allow the sport to make big fights in this kind of environment we're all fucked I was going to ask that I mean what do you think the likely chances should they fight next year hopefully AJ and Fury that you might have to lose a belt maybe you lose all belts you know, you know these governing bodies take percentages of fighters' purses. And when you add up five, which is the amount of belts that will be on the line for that fight, an awful lot of money. So you may get to a stage where fighters turn around and say, do you know what? Or promoters turn around and say, do you know what? Do we need a belt? You know, the aim of the game and the history that the governing bodies have created means the answer is yes, we do want belts. But, but, we cannot be ruled by a governing body that, in the, you know, the, the governing body is not responsible for the financial risk associated with events and shows, right? So, you get your percentage, no problem. If you have a bad night, if the pay-per-view don't go well, if the gate is not there, they don't get any less money. So they don't have no risk for them. But they need to understand the risks, particularly in this environment and at this time that we're under as promoters. Because as much as people moan about promoters and you know, they're the ones putting up the dough right now. So are the TV companies. 
And the risk is always on the promoter to stage fights and to try and make a profit, sometimes make a loss. You know, there's not many fighters that when you turn around and do your bollocks on a show, who will go, oh, blimey. Oh, do you want me to take a little bit less? Oh, I'm devastated for you. Because no one ever feels sorry for a promoter, and you fucking shouldn't do either. But you can't just sit there as a governing body going like that when the whole world is crumbling and the whole economy is crumbling and the whole revenue into boxing events is crumbling and everyone just goes, well, I don't give a monkey. He's just giving me that. You know? Um, so, yeah, two weeks tomorrow, start a fight camp. Mm. Um, well, how would that week work, just off the top of your head? So, the fighters will arrive in the hotel on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, they will be immediately tested. They go to their room, they isolate till they get their results. And then we have the, the famous bubble, I guess, which is now uh, meant to be. Thursday, press conferences. Friday, weigh-in. And then Saturday, we're here. And it's going to be... Like you say, you know, I know how to build events. I know how to build excitement. And everybody's talking about fight camp. Everyone's going to be glued in, switched on. And you know what? You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Because there's five really good fights on the first. We're kicking off with Jordan Gill against Reese Bellotti. Great fight. Dalton Smith steps up against Nathan Bennett. Simon Valili against Fabio Wardley. And then James Tennyson against Gavin Gwynn for the British lightweight title. And then the Egg Beater Cheese. I mean, come on. You know, this is we do things differently. Yeah. It's not planes that go here, isn't it? I think they've heard you're here, so Maybe. a few have diverted because it's a major. You know. In the, uh... If you look down to your left, you can see the famous IFL TV presenter interviewing the fat promoter outside of fight camp. I think that. What will there be a media presence at the fight camp? I think so. I think so. I mean, I'd like that to be the case. Um, but we are, one thing, you know, we're not selling tickets. We're not having a crowd here. The people here are the people that have to be here and need to be here. So that's more of a decision for the governing bodies, uh, the governing, the British Boxing Board of Control. Um, but I would like to have media here. And that's another reason why we've done it here. Because we've got the, the space to do it and do it safely. So you little appearance on say appearance you're probably properly on it and yeah league of their own i had a great day yesterday great day tell us um, what that was golf with a difference i'm we're in the studio next week filming the show but yesterday was the the romesh ranganathan golf invitational golf with a twist me red nat flintoff sam quick do you know what he said to me romesh we're having lunch no no shit yeah he said can i ask you a serious question i said yeah go on amy do you really think I look like that Coogan geezer? <laughs> I swear. And I was like, yeah, you do it. Because he had an Adidas tracksuit on, a little sort of cap that way. And I said, do you dress like that? You actually do. Funny geezer. Lovely, lovely bloke. Do you know what? I've got to say, that show is the bollocks, League of Their Own. Really, really AJ good. AJ's going to be on it as well. He's been on it ages, many times, hasn't he? Let me have a bit of fucking limelight. All right, mate. So, yeah, that's good. Um... What was he was asked to go in the jungle or Big Brother? Yeah, that was a few years ago. No, that was... Uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of it. I had a few things. I was supposed to go on Top Gear yesterday, but I had to film League of Their Own. Proper, proper, uh, you're a proper boat, aren't you? No, but it's my job. Listen, I want, I want to be... I want as many people to know me as possible because more people are going to be watching the show. More people are going to be learning about our fires. My platform would be bigger to push our fighters. They're the ones that are important. Um, and of course, my book launches in October as well. Um, Pre-sales have been phenomenal. If it keeps going like this, we will, we will be in the Sunday Times bestsellers. Can't wait. I'm so happy for you, mate, honestly. It's just like... I really appreciate that, mate. No. Yeah. Do you know what I love about you, yeah? Obviously, we started together. Yeah? Not really. We did really. No, no. You, no. you make it sound like it was an equal playing field. All right, we started in boxing at the same time. It's not an equal playing field because I'm a fucking genius, no, yeah? you're, and you're, you're average. So it's never going to be an equal playing field, is it? 
No, you're on, one of those geezers. It's like when I put a post out about the book. Start with a rich dad. Do you know what I mean? That's chapter one. I didn't say that. Yeah? Well, why are you piping up? No, I didn't say that. I just said, but it's not an even playing field. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying, I'm not on about your financial status. I'm just talking about you in boxing. Well, we started your at the same time. Your dad was Barry Hearn. Or is Barry Hearn. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bazza. Is Barry Hearn. So, you know. But that's why. Now, when you talk about oh, you had a head start, whatever. Yeah, but do you, do you know, when, you, when you're here, do you know how hard it is to get to here? Yeah? And that's what I've had to do. And that's the only way you can and measure everyone it. Everyone wants to see you back there. Of course. There. And you know what? They're never going to fucking see it. Right? But let me tell you where I'm going back to. The great, what I love about you is, we both started, forget who my old man was, we both started in boxing at the same time, yeah? And what I love about you is, despite, you know, you've gone, literally, when we started in boxing, you've gone to like here, yeah? And even though I've gone to here, yeah, you have still stayed humble and you've never, it's never given you, you know, and you, you've enjoyed watching me grow. You've had no bitterness, you've had no chip on your shoulder. You know, all the heights that I've gone to, where sometimes, you, you know, you've followed me around, you've been in my slipstream, but you've, but you've sort of kept encouraging me, and a lot of haters don't do that. They see you rock it off to superstardom, and they get jealous, or they start getting bitter or talking behind my back. Do you know what I mean? You've watched me go to superstardom, and you've still be, you know, the fact is, is I, I class you, you're a fan. You know, you're an Eddie Hearn fan, I think that's amazing. I'm joking, by the way. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. This is your thing, I'm joking, I'm not. Uh, what's there to be better about? Mate, do you know what? I've got to say something now. It's a bit sombre, but my 93-year-old granddad, he's very ill, right? He's going to pass away sorry, sorry. this week. And I was in the hospice with him this morning. And I was looking at him, it's awfully sad. And I was thinking to myself, what is life all about? You know? You've got all this hate. You've got all this pent-up aggression and just... I just, it's sad, you know? Because when you sit there in your final days and your final breaths, you've just got to look back and say, I had a great time. You know? You've got to give it 110%. Because that's so important. You've got to try and be the best at everything you do. But let's not kid ourselves. You can't wake up every morning and just, you know, every single day and be a great dad, be a great husband, be a great businessman, be a great friend. But you can try it. But... The, the fact is, is that as you get older and you start seeing, you know, just life as it plays out in your 60s and your 70s, 80s, we mustn't let it pass us by. So always ask yourself, if I went now... Would you be happy? Yeah. It's true. And would you say, I've done, you know, yeah. fuck me. And I have to honestly say to myself, if I went now, I would say, fuck me, you had a right old go. You know? Do you feel the same? No. If I went now, I'd say I'd be disappointed because there's. Well, obviously, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be over the moon with it. I'm 41 years old. Yeah, no. But to this point in your life, are you happy with what you've done? And it's not just about achievement. Yeah. Sometimes we get too. I think what what COVID-19 has taught us is that the hustle, the achievement. We always talk about it. We always. Yes, but are you happy? You know, and when you look back, do you say, fuck me, I've, you know, I had a right old go. I'm happy, I had a good time. You know, that's the key. And I see so much hate and anger. And I just think to myself, why are you so, you know, just be happy, treat people well. Be nice, just enjoy yourself, try your best. Because we're really not here for a long time. And you always have to be honest with yourself and say, am I doing, am I, Am I doing the right thing? Am I giving it everything? Am I, am I a decent bloke? Woman. No. It's... Yeah, that's it, really. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, actually. So that's something Finally, that I think I you need to ask yourself, whether you're watching this, whether wherever you are. If I went tomorrow... What do you think? You know? Would I be remembered? What would I be remembered? It's not about, well, by the way, being remembered is not about, oh, you know, industry people all, talk about people that matter, the people around you. 
You know, when I go, when I have my funeral, I want people to go, fuck me. He was a boy, wasn't he? Bit of a knob. No, but that's fine. And I expect that. No, but, you no, but yeah. That, yeah. yeah, mate, I would have just died. You can't fucking say stuff like that. No, no, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant, you know. So you... I've died, and you're going up to people at my funeral going, bit of a knob, wasn't he? But, no, no that's not what yeah. I meant. I just meant you like to be known as a little bit of a knob. Yeah. I, I, just want, I just want people to. I don't oh. even mind if people go, do you know what? Fucking weren't a fan. Weren't a fan. But he had a right go, didn't he? Oh. You know? Ask yourself this, have you had a right go? I hope so. And when you read Relentless, out at the end of October, <laughs> by Hodder Stoughton, available for pre-order now on Amazon, or signed copies available now by W.H. Smith. Are you doing one of them signings? Yeah, loads. Yeah. But the book, the book is about business, the book is about selling, the book is about mindset, negotiation, coming back from disappointment, you know, bit about my early life stuff that's happened to me with AJ or in fights it's got but I've tried to sort of I've tried to keep it real I've tried to be honest and say look we you know every day I don't wake up every day and go yeah come on baby let's go some days I get up and I don't want to do anything some days I'm miserable some days I'm knackered and I've got to go home and see the kids and I don't want to see the kids and I don't you know but a lot of people seem to think that money is a substitute for all that but it's not is it no it helps it does help. You can't say it doesn't no, it's help. It's not you a know. direct substitute for the things like people think that money does not represent happiness. Correct. Right? Positivity does not represent happiness. Correct. Happiness for me is being comfortable in yourself and your surroundings and your environment and your situation. And the only way you can truly be happy is when you are comfortable with who you are and what you are. And that is something, I believe, that only comes with age and maturity. Because I think, thinking back now, when I was in my early 20s, I don't think that I was, you know, I might have been Jack the Lad, but I don't think I was truly confident and comfortable in, you know, my situation, or I had a chip on my shoulder, I had a rich dad, do you know what I mean? And everyone was always saying, oh, you're Barry Earn's son, so you don't even need a job, mate. Oh, where'd you get that job through Barry Earn? Oh, well, and it's like, so you think to yourself, the only way I can get respected is to change the game or to create my own legacy. But the only way, you know, happiness is, it's, it's very, very, very influential on people, right? And when you see a happy person, they've got that something, you know? And I'm not talking about fake people, I'm talking about general people who you look at and you go, you're a happy geezer. And that's, infectious is the word I'm looking for, not even influential, infectious, you know? And they're, they're great people to be around. And you know those happy people? They don't have to be multi-millionaires or, or own their own company. They're just comfortable in themselves and comfortable in their life. You can always keep striving for things and still be happy. But I'm jealous of that happiness sometimes, if you haven't got it. I've been in you know, parts of my life where maybe I don't, I don't think I was anywhere near as happy as I am now. And actually, lockdown has actually made me a lot more happy. Because I'm starting to think to myself, mate, over the last two years, if you would have carried on like that, you would be dead by the time you're 50. Because that ain't normal. That ain't human, to be honest with you. So, just slow down a little bit, right? Start um, delegating more. You know, you've got Frank Smith, he's 26, 27 years of age. Fucking get him on the go. He works his bollocks off. Go and let him flog himself. You've got a great team of staff, 50, 60 people in it, 100 people worldwide. You know? But the, the mindset, the drive, doesn't change. And the drive for me now, you know, whether I want to keep it to myself or just tell the world of my plans, is to control boxing to control boxing and that is the only way I see 100% pure success in my head is to control this sport globally and have a single entity running boxing like the UFC and if I don't create that I don't think we'll ever get to where I want it to be but you know the chances of it happening are extremely unlikely why? what they you, Eddie Hearn, and Matcham become a sole entity in boxing. Yes. Is that what you mean? Do you think everyone else is going to just 
whisk off into the sunset. They don't have to whisk off into the subject. There's, there's plenty of ways to skin that cat. But that, that you know, if you want to bet against me, like you clearly just have, you will see. I don't want to bet against you. Well, you, you just have. Just Very unlikely to. No, I you know. it's highly unlikely. Well, then, I'm okay. I'm not betting against you. But what you should be saying, what you should be saying is, fuck me, if that's on Hearn's mind, if he's going for that, I wouldn't bet against him. I wouldn't bet against well, you. Well, then say that instead of highly oh, unlikely, I, you fuck. It's still highly unlikely, but I still wouldn't bet against you, has that? Okay. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's my aim. And it's not about being Dr. Evil and, oh, you just want, what do you want, a monopoly? No, I want to change the sport for the better. And the only way I can get the sport to where I want it to be is to have that model. It's like the UFC. I can't, how many times I tell you, the UFC is the model. The UFC leads the way. The UFC doesn't have the history of the sport of boxing, right? I believe that with the right model, we can actually outperform the UFC. We're a bigger sport than the UFC, but they have it right. They have the model right. They have the marketing, they have the distribution, they have the social media presence, and they have the right guy at the helm in Dana White. And I'm sorry, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet, and I'm not polishing my plonker, but I am the man for the job. I'm the only one that can do it. Jeez! Okay, Eddie Hearn, uh, appreciate your time this Friday. Always look forward to it as I do every week. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll, every we'll week crack on again next week. Years. And thank you. Thank you for your support. And thank you for your support. Good or bad. We've got two weeks tomorrow. We go, we go again. Fight camp. Do you know I've got to tell you, it's fun at the moment. Hold on, hold on. Pick it up, pick it up. Go. Thank you. And thank you. Good or bad, thank you for the support. August the 1st, we go again. Two weeks tomorrow. And I've got to tell you, it's fun at the moment. It's hard. People are crumbling. People are going bust. People don't want to spend money. But I'll tell you what, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And remember, remember Warren Buffett, who said, when the tide goes out, you get to see you swimming naked. The cream will always rise to the top. Okay, Eddie, thank you very much for your time. Have a wonderful Friday night. What are you up to tonight, Edward? I, uh, me and Redknapp, we play golf on Tuesday and we won. We played for a bottle Saturday of red. Night, yeah, Harry, yeah. yeah, yeah. We played for a bottle of red and we won. And I'm going to enjoy that tonight with a nice fillet steak. The weather's unreal. It's supposed to be nice tomorrow as well. Um, I'm going to be doing that tonight and over the weekend I'll be with my granddad and then next week. We get, we're gearing up, we're gearing up for fight camp. It's, it's, it's on, it's upon us and we're ready. So spread the love, be happy. No regrets. Thank you very much.